I'm like the worst one to play this game with you, Dan, because I cards on the table. I don't know what that's on us. Nope, it's still going. Okay. I just wanted to hit that 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 last little bit about how we touched and went our separate ways. What's the name of that song? Uh it's it's separate ways. It's by that was a cover of a journey song. Oh okay. But it was just I felt it was fitting for some things that we will hashtag foreshadow in the upcoming <laughs> uh hour and so that Nick and I will be talking years off. Well, Dan, welcome back. It's just it's a duo again. It's you and me, kind of the the OGs at this point. Um, how you doing this week? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. I mean, I think Dynasty, you know, it's fun, like it has its unique things, but I think the most unique thing and arguably the most fun part about it is the rookie draft. There's hope, yeah. there's action, everyone's around, like the trades, like this is usually the busiest, like kind of condensed period of the year in the league. So for um, some a lot teams. of optimism. For some, for teams, some teams, but you know, for the teams that are around, um, I think it's a lot of fun. A ton of fun. I mean, even if you're outside walk looking in where you don't have a whole lot of draft capital like Sam has right now. Mm -hmm. It's it's all right, what's gonna happen? What's my division gonna look like and who do I have to worry about or what pieces do I have to worry about making sure that I have covered so that they don't come back and bite me in the ass should an injury happen. Correct. Um and we're gonna so our league, you know, again we have the first two rounds and then we have a break and then we pick up back in August. Um this pod we're gonna go through just the first round and um should we you know just get things started. Yeah, I mean, we're so just so we'll just we're going to do this in chronological time events. Yeah, so, so we're going to go through each pick and then any trades that happen like at the time when they go down, and just kind of talk through what happened. And you know, of course, shed like our you know the peanut gallery is going to shed their thoughts on it. Yep, I'm in. Okay, well, to no surprise, you know, Nick after the big trade up that we talked about. Um, on the last pod, uh, acquired the 1.1 from Steve, and he took B. John Robinson. Um, you know, the clear no-brainer, number one pick in this draft. Uh, Dan, what's your thoughts on B. John and kind of like the fit in, on Nick's team? It, it, B. John was always going to be one. It's it's, mm -hmm. it's draft day, you know, always whatever. They, I just blanked on the name of the kid that he had, the kid's name he had in his pocket, but this is always going to be a pick. Yeah, it, and it should have. And it helps Nick get additional depth. I mean, Chubb and Jacobs, he's got on there. Um, then you move into Kenneth Walker, but outside of that, we you kind of fall off. So this is a great depth piece. It's a great immediate start for Nick's team. And oh, yeah. we all know Nick is diamond does on running backs, but when you've got a team like Nick that is putting pieces together that is trying to win this league, not yep. not, not contend anymore, but win. Oh um, yeah, this expectations makes expectations are high, sense. big time. Yeah, yeah no the, surprise. What are, what are your expectations for Bijan this year? Top five. I think top I, I think Bijan's a top seven. I think top seven. seven is the pie in the sky piece to it. I mean, if you can get Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson to run behind this offense, I you got to feel good right. about putting an actual running back back there and watching him feast. And I, I, I think you, I think ceiling is top five, floor mm -hmm. is top ten. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think uh, I'm going to say it's RB four on the year. Okay, I, I'll say he's going to finish at seven. Okay. All right, then let's move on. I mean, I so with the second pick, Chris is on the clock, and he ended up taking Bryce Young. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Any surprises? I. This is where this gets interesting. Bryce Young, uh -huh. obviously, was the number one overall pick. He's going to be an immediate starter in Carolina. Mm -hmm. Carolina has worked to put additional weapons to 
give to Bryce Young. Obviously, obviously, Miles Sanders comes in the running back. Adam Thielen's there. DJ Chark gets down there. Hayden Hurst, they bring in a tight end. Yep. He's got weapons. So if he can be a fraction of what we expect out of a rookie QB, I, I, I think he's got all the, the talent and the ability to succeed right off the bat. Now, the rumors are what they say Andy Dalton's going to start. Yeah, they're doing that dog and pony show. Like they're not giving Bryce Young the sh- the slot. Just but turn this over to him, man. Let him just fucking go. I get, I get the Andy Dalton, but let let let, let him mark Sanchez him from the bench. Let him take him to the side, coach mm-hmm. him up, do all this fun stuff, and but turn it over to him. Like just the, the, this guy should be working hand in hand, first reps with Thielen Smith or Thielen Thielen, Thielen Shark, Lavisca Chenault, Terrence Marshall, Hayden Hurst. They should be getting all these. Bingo. Yeah. And Mr. Jonathan Mingo, too. Yeah, let, um, him, let him build that relationship. Here's my question. Was this the second best player in the draft? I don't think so, no. I Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that's like, I, I get it. Like, Bryce Young, he went first overall in the draft, right? Like, he's the yep. number one quarterback taken. Um, he seems safe. But he doesn't offer that rushing floor. And when you look at, like, quarterbacks and, like, kind of the, their ceiling output – the quarterbacks that really hit, like, unless they're a freak, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, like, to be, like, the elite elite, like, they need to use their legs. Like, is there any concern that, like, Bryce Young could just be, like, you know, a Kirk Cousins, like, in his ceiling, like, a real nice, like, QB, like, you know, between, like, 9 and 12? Like, don't get me wrong, like, that's not a bad player, but, like, that isn't, if you're picking second overall in a supposedly really good draft, like, that's that's kind of annoying, like, outcome projections, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Young does possess the ability to extend a little bit. It's not mm-hmm. He's not nearly as immobile as Tom Brady is. Yep. But look what Tom Brady did being immobile in the pockets and rushing up the middle for one yard and a touchdown, you know, every now and then. For um, sure. But he was also, like, the, one of the greatest passers ever. Correct. And I, if Bryce Young can get the ball from A to B uh-huh. from like and throw the ball maybe as well as Aaron Rodgers does, I, I don't – I mean, you don't hate it. But you're right. The rushing floor is the the downside to it. Yeah, I agree. So let's like just pivot right away to our next pick. And that put you on the clock. Um, and with that pick, you selected Anthony Richardson. Before we talk about Anthony Richardson, let's talk about you in this pick. Because I, you know, without any like insider information, like I, you know, it's no surprise you want to contend. You think that you can make the playoffs this year. And you know, Nick and I kind of debated this point heavily last week. Like, we thought the quarterback would be the the smart, you know, fiscally responsible play. But, I, you know, I kind of thought, like, maybe a trade was going to happen. Like, I thought you were going to maybe try to, like, get a player or players that could help you contend, you know, really beef you up, like, in the immediate short term. What was your logic going into this pick? Yeah, so I, so I went in. The, so, number one, watching Young go off the board kind of – I wouldn't say change the mentality, but it brought keeping the pick back into reality. Okay. And with the question mark that was Jordan Love, with nobody understanding what Mac Jones were going to be getting, this is a guy that has, he, as, as Zane said, it's Josh Allen 2.0, potentially. If he can figure out how to throw a football, yeah, which obviously is his job. <laughs> yeah, it's quite an important thing for him to figure out. It is, yes. And in in that regard, though, but if he can go through and yeah, he's an athletic freak and he brings that rushing side into the play now, which means if he goes 10 for 12 for 84 yards and two picks, but runs for a hundred yards on the ground with a score, 
he can make uh, up for a lot of shitty days yeah. pretty easily. Yeah, and, and that and that, that for me, uh, I had trade talks that were out there. I appreciate the guys that were bearing with me on, on Monday. Uh, I had some personal stuff come up that I had to take care of, so that's why talks were a little bit louder. Sorry for taking so long to make a pick, which seems really shitty, but I did have three – maybe four people if I'm getting somebody were in play okay. to potentially look at getting this pick off of me. And when it came down to it, obviously, as we'll get to in a couple minutes, I had some couple other things come up along the way mm-hmm. that made me taking this pick that much better. This pick was made after I went through and had a couple other offers come through that actually weren't for this pick. And that's okay. where, that's where this truly put Richardson into my lap. If so, if Rich so gun to your head, if Richardson was off the board and you're looking at young Stroud or you know a different position entirely, do you think you trade this pick? I think I think it's more in my favor to trade the pick. Yes. Okay. I, I like at least how I view it. Uh, the fact that Richardson was there and I got the physical run side to it, I think really helped push me to keep the pick and then do what I did in a couple seconds. Okay. What are your expectations for Richardson this year as a rookie? Um, I'd like to see him throw more touchdowns than interceptions is is the first thing I'll say with it. Um, I think that even if it's 10 and nine, getting more through the air, um, if he can average 18 to 20 points a game, I've I've won. Yeah, that's that's a win for me, whether it's through the air on the ground, doesn't matter. 18 to 20 points out of the quarterback every week and I'm fine. Agreed. And you like that the Colts are just kind of. They're not they're not lying to anyone. They're committing to him for day one. Like he's the starter. Like he's the guy. They took him for a reason. Um, I, I do respect that. And I think that's the right approach for teams to have with quarterbacks, to be honest. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Um, we're moving on to one dot four. And Chris, back on the clock, uh, took CJ Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State. How do you feel about this one? Um, I feel good. Like it's again, we're watching he, Chris is gonna hit somewhere now. Obviously, we're we had the run of three QBs happen here mm-hmm. with it. Um, this is Chris's second quarterback coming off the draft. Yep. It's, it, he's banking on these guys being, being the way to go. Now there's a couple things that make me concerned with Stroud. Number one, he plays for Houston. Uh, yep. That's entirely fair. Okay. Which, which when you look at some of their weapons, they're not name brand options. Dalton Schultz is probably the most name brand option you get. Robert Woods, I still think is washed up. Yep. N- Nico Collins is, Eh, Mechie is is he is he cancer free by the way? I don't know this, and I feel really bad about asking. I believe so. Yeah, I thought he was like at like some sort of camp in okay. training. And then running back situations. Yeah, yeah, you've got Damian Pierce. We had that conversation all last year. Mm-hmm. There's just it's not flashy to me. It, now, now with that being said, I think Stroud is a long term investment mm-hmm. with praying that the Texans organizations find ways to get him big talent or acquire big talent in the draft. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think Stroud of the three that went was going to be the third guy, no matter what. Agreed. And everything, the, I would have been curious if Levis would have went higher where oh. Levis would have played in with, especially depending on his landing spot, where it would have played with Stroud maybe. And again, we, the, the poll for Levis to be the second QB off the board was insane for better. <coughs> and that really backfired on everybody. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I'm not ha- not as high on Stroud as maybe a lot of other people are. The other thing that kills me with him is coming out of Ohio State. And at the <laughs> moment, we still have – we have no proven Ohio State quarterbacks that have been good in the NFL. 
We have yeah, Count Joe Burrow. He had no. a cup of tea at Ohio. Who? Joe Burrow. He had a cup of tea at Ohio. Nah, doesn't count. He was there for two years. Doesn't count. They sat the bench. Okay. Sat the bench. If we counted everyone like that, Ohio State might actually have relevancy piece to it. <laughs> but we might be seeing one of a great quarterback come out of Ohio State. Maybe this is the run of two of them coming back to back. Okay. Um, I mean, for Chris, like, obviously, when you look at his roster and where he was, like, this was a big draft for his team. Um, going into this draft, he had a lot of holes, and he only had one quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he lucked out. He's the starter for the Raiders, but that's it at quarterback. So the idea of getting Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, um, you know, two top three, or excuse me, top two drafted quarterbacks in the NFL draft, I mean, that's whatever you think of the players, like that's pretty ideal for a rebuilding team, right? It's, it's the most important position on the field. That's why we play with two of them mm-hmm. and everything. This is, well, we give you the option to play with two of them. Sometimes people don't. Um, but yeah, this makes a lot of sense for him to rebuild around. Hopefully these two guys pan out and then you can sit down and focus on where do I build my wide receiver core? And then the Ruth aspect, how do I acquire the running backs to make myself relevant? Yep. All right, let's move on to 1.5. And Do we have a trade that comes in here? It's well, so this or... this trade didn't happen until 1.8. Oh, so it went so that what, quick? Yeah, so it, let's okay. okay we'll, we'll talk. Yeah. Let's make the pick and then we'll announce the trade and the details. So 1.5, uh, Stefan was on the clock and he took Jameer Gibbs. Um, well, let's not even go too far in depth on that because there was a trade a little bit later in the night at 1.8 when I was on the clock. Uh, and Stefan and I got together the next morning and we made a trade. Uh, the trade involved me sending um, Stefan, I'm stalling to bring it up, uh, 1.8, Mr. Greg Dulcich, a 2025 second round draft pick that is Jer's. And in return, Stefan sent Jameer Gibbs and the 4.3 draft pick in this draft. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on this? Sorry, no, I'm scrambling to find it because I didn't have that prepped and ready to go on mine. Um, there it is. Got it. So, yeah, let's just talk about the trade. Then we can go in depth on Mr. Gibbs. Got it. So you went from – you came up from 1.8 to 1.5. Yep. And Stefan went back to 8. Stefan gets a Dulcich. tight end in a, in a crowded room, but Dulcich has truly become the front runner in that tight end room. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a second in a couple years, which we know Stefan's on that long-term turnaround. And the fourth coming back this year, I think, is just something to shave off Stefan's draft pick opportunities. Yep. Um, I don't hate it. I don't. I don't, I don't think for Stefan moving back, getting an additional pick, getting a young tight end, um, to give up Gibbs, which will eventually be, you know, getting. Kincaid, or no, I'm sorry, getting Jordan Addison was yeah, the Jordan pick. Addison. We'll go more in depth on that shortly, but yeah, which which is he's going to be the number two guy outside of Jefferson. Uh, outside of Jefferson, he's literally taking over for Adam Thielen. I I don't hate it. I don't I don't hate it for either side. You come up, you get Gibbs, and again, we'll see what Detroit does with this running backfield because mm-hmm. because there's I mean you assume he's going to be the feature guy, but Monty's there, so maybe it's a good break Gibbs into the to the system and by midway he's taken over um but yeah I don't I I don't I don't have anything negative to say about you coming up for it um or him going back yeah um I think for Stefan I think it makes sense like I was a little surprised at the time that he actually took Gibbs um I think being a rebuilding team I think this looked like a prime trade back opportunity 
Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we'll go more in depth on teams in probably a later podcast, but Stefan, as you alluded to, is probably looking at a longer rebuild with um, where his team's at and where it, you know, needs to be to maybe get on track. So moving Gibbs, I think, makes sense. And, you know, pick up a young rookie wide receiver, you know, a young tight end, a second round pick. I mean, that seems solid. I mean, I, I like Gibbs, I, you know, better than Addison. Um, so I'm I'm willing to roll the dice on a young uh, running back that I know he is in a crowded situation in Detroit, but I just, you know, I, I find it funny that we were debating for the longest time, like, you know, analysts are like, oh, is B. John going to go in like the top 20 of the NFL draft? And then, of course, he goes in the top 10. And then freaking Jameer Gibbs goes 12th overall. Like, that that was that was like probably the biggest story of like the first round for me. So I mean that's like a huge stamp of approval for Detroit, like in how they want to use him and value him to take a running back that high. Um, I you know Monty is there, but I think you know we just live in a NFL now that there isn't going to be many situations where run running back is getting like seventy percent of the touches. Most of the dudes are going to be pushing like best case like fifty percent maybe even 40 to 50%, which I think Gibbs can be at, but because of his PPR upside, he can be a very like deadly weapon in the past game, even with Montgomery on the field. So I'm not too worried about that, but I mean, what are your thoughts on how that backfield might shake out and just long-term for Gibbs? I mean, I think it's interesting just how the entire offense shakes out. I mean, mm-hmm. we watched what Dan Campbell did with that offense to the point in time where they almost made the playoffs. Jared it's an Goff exciting offense. Control it. it is. I mean, Aramon St. Brown, Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds, the tight end situation becomes questionable still for for the Lions, but you don't need a tight end if you can split a running back out. Like, yeah, you have the extra blocker. Montgomery can block in the backfield. Mm-hmm. So you see what gonna, they have with Jamison Williams. Yep, Jameson, yeah, Jameson Williams is there. I, I, who knows, man? This is going to be – that. this whole Detroit system is going to be very interesting. And anybody that has pieces of this Detroit system, are, are you have to be excited about what potentially could come out of this. Agreed. They, they're going to be a very fun fantasy team. They're a hype train team right I, now. And I hope, I hope Jared Goff doesn't let us down. I just hope. Hope wasn't last. I hope last year wasn't a fluke because now the spotlight's going to be on him. There's there's expectations now this year. Yeah, Jamison so. Williams is out there. Like it's it, it'll eventually be out there. But yes, when he's not, you know, he's not gambling. gambling. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's move on to one dot six. And I was on the clock here, and I took uh, Jackson Smith Najigba, uh, wide receiver from Ohio State. He went to Seattle. What are your thoughts on him, Dan? At be- at best player available. Yeah. Right there, it's a best player available pick. Um, you hate it because. It's a tough landing spot. DK and Lockett are there. And mm-hmm. Geno Smith is the guy facilitating the ball. And again, don't get me wrong, Geno proved that he could do it. There were yep. a lot of people that were going to say that, hey, they might have signed Geno, but this is where we're going to see a guy like if Will Levis didn't drop, go here or wherever Stroud ended up, go here. Geno's their guy. And if Geno can facilitate the ball and feed the feed the names in the mouse, it's a great offense. The question becomes is, is JSN going to live in a shadow of Lockett? Or DK, is this an indication that we could see Lockett if they're if they're not contending that we see Lockett being let go and traded to somebody else, and now all of a sudden we have JSN in the spotlight. Yeah, a lot of ifs, lot of ifs in that statement. No, for but, sure. But talent wise, JSN, this was easily the best pick there. 
Yeah, no, that that was my logic. I, I he, he was my wide receiver one, and ironically, I mean, I did make the last two picks. I think I would have taken JSN over Gibbs. I just think he's the most talented wide receiver in an offense that, you know, spreads the ball around, but he does utilize both wide receivers that we've seen with Lockett and, you know, DK. And I think um, two things. One, you know, they took him in the first round. DK was a second-round pick. Lockett was a mid-round pick. You know, I think they do believe in him, and I think – Year one might be a little dicey, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ascends quicker. Um, they don't really have like a true slot, like working the middle wide receiver. And in fantasy and PPR leagues, that can be pretty valuable. Lockett's more of the deep threat and DK, big body X receiver. So it'll be interesting to see how they implement him. But um, I agree. I think he was the clear best player available. I think when you look at how this draft shook out, um, th- the first six players seem pretty cut and dry like this was going to be the order there wasn't going to be much wiggle room um where there wasn't going to be different six players in these first six picks the order might be a little different for some leagues but i think these were the clear top six players in the draft yeah not to foreshadow this but i'll give him his credit uh mr ruth went through in his predictions and got all 12 first round players picked right in the first 12. So he went perfect 12 for 12, not necessarily the same spot, yep. but he recognized that where it was. Now, whether that's just how clear cut round one talent is before we move on to round two and everything like that. But like, like, like I agree, the top six were given. Yeah, I think this draft was very interesting. You know, we can go more in depth like later as we finish up, but I think it was there was very clear pockets and very clear tiers that I think popped up. I think, the you know, obviously B. John was one. And then probably we had another tier with the next two quarterbacks and then, you know, Stroud, Gibbs, JSN. And I think we have another tier coming up with the next two picks and then, you know, maybe another mini tier after that. Um, but it, a very like chalky first round, do I, dare I say it? But it yeah. seems like kind of developed yeah. uh, after this rookie draft or yeah, after nothing, the NFL Nothing draft. exciting, but it wasn't, it didn't need to be. It was the, it, like, the question was going to be is who was going to be making the pick in that spot. Yep. So before we jump into the next two picks, we had two trades go down. And both of them were involving you, Dan, uh, two that you kind of alluded to. Uh, so let's go to the first one that involved you and Stefan getting together for a deal. In this trade, you received Tyler Higby, Alan Lazard, and Mr. Joe Mixon. And in return, Stefan receives Noah Fant and Jameson Williams. Dan, would do you like to shed thoughts or do you want me to jump in? Go ahead, go ahead and you start and then, I'll, then I'll, I'll see if your logic matches what mine might be on the back end of it. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at this, you know, trade, this is, you know, I didn't expect like this exact trade, like for your first overall or your third overall pick. But like I expected you, if you want to make the playoffs, this is the kind of move that you needed to do. Um, Jameson Williams on paper, like six months from now, like he's he could be the best player in this deal. You know, he's young. He's been a disappointment. You know, he had that torn ACL year one recovering from and then didn't really do much when he got back. He has a stupid gambling, you know, problem with another sport that he did that he's suspended for a couple games. But like they traded up for him like in a deep wide receiver draft last year. He was, I believe, the second one off the board. Like he's very highly sought after. So I think there is still upside here. He's a knucklehead. It's a crowded offense. We'll see if it actually plays out. But I think Jamison Williams is a very interesting piece. But if you want to contend, he's probably not going to help you this year. Or at least he won't help you to the back half of the year. And by that point, you might be out of the playoffs. So from your perspective, you have a lot of holes. So I understand the logic of wanting to fill it. Um, you got to trade a good piece to get it. And you want to keep, like, your first-round pick. You know, we've seen a lot of teams in this league 
trade first round picks. And I think a lot of teams are really regretting it. You know, I think Stefan and Kevin, you know, are two teams that are seeing that they need to rebuild. And it's going to be a long rebuild at this rate with how their team's picks are looking and where their roster's at. So I think it's smart that you kept the first round pick. Um, in return, I mean, getting someone like Joe Mixon, I mean, he's an older running back, but he's on a good offense and seems like he's someone that can definitely step up and, you know, be a very solid running back too in your team with um, when Brees Hall's, you know, healthy and, you know, an elite running back that we've seen him be. Um, and then Tyler Higby, I mean, I think he's solid depth. I think tight end um, is probably a weakness for you still, but I think he can fill in, um, you know, with um, maybe Gerald Everett and be a solid option. And Alan Lazard's nice depth. So I think for your team, I understand like filling this um, hole for your where your team's at. For Stefan, I think this is a no-brainer. I mean, you might lose value, quote-unquote, a little bit, but I think getting a young rebuilding piece that has upside in Jamison Williams makes this pretty easy to swallow. Yeah, so so the hard part was, you know, understanding that as high as I am on J- on Jamison Williams, and I'm, yep. I, I drafted him in many leagues in certain mm-hmm. spots, went to get him. For my team right now, I have to take the love for the player away, and I have yep. to think what logically makes sense. And this is the equivalent of trading a first-round draft pick in my eyes. Young, young running or young wide receiver that's yep. going to get time and attention. Yeah, Fant is youth depth for for Stefan, and I paid a first to get him, which tells you where I thought he was, and obviously that wildly incorrect. Kevin, there's your shout out for that. Um, <laughs> but I but I get a starting running back, which I know I need. I yeah. get a, a potential improvement in my tight end situation. Mm-hmm. I get a guy that goes to an offense where we have a quarterback that's played with him before that's brand new. I'm not the biggest Lazard fan, but at the end of the day, I need points. And yeah. points come from starting players that can get them. And Lazard is a guy that has a relationship with a quarterback that can get me points. And points are how you win matchups. So for me, it sucks moving on from Williams. It does because mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe he is the best player in this trade. Yeah, but getting what I need now, especially with bringing Richardson in and having Josh Allen, this just makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah, well, I mean, just for the record, in startup drafts right now, um, one of the things that I've kind of like looked at, like there's a lot of ways to like look at trade calculators, evaluate things, but I think as I've grown as a dynasty player, I think just looking at where players are going in the startups. And trying to evaluate a trade, I think, is just the most unbiased way of doing it. So, like, looking at startup drafts so far for the month of May, which is a very busy time period for startup drafts. You know, everyone's eager to start a new league. Uh, Jameis Williams is going in the late sixth round of Superflex tight end premium startups. Joe Mixon is going in the early eighth um, round. So there's, you know, about a round plus difference from where they're at. So, obviously, Jameis Williams younger he's a wide receiver joe mixon he's the unsexy older running back i think that makes sense so i agree with your assessment williams is probably the best player in this deal but there's still risk right he's got to show it this year when he gets back on the field yep i agree um all right let's move on to the other deal yeah this one involved you dan you got together with zane um in this deal you received deandre hopkins miles sanders and in return Zane received Jordan Love and a 2024 second round draft pick that is Kevin's. Uh, if you want me to jump in first, yeah, go ahead and go again. Ah, uh, 911, I'd like to report a robbery. This, I mean, I'm Jordan Love, like he's a first round 
pick quarterback that's been riding the bench for what like four years now um his team like hedged on his like last like year of his rookie contract like only half guaranteeing it and this quarterback had no confidence to like fight it he was like yeah i'll take like just half you don't have to give me full even though you've never seen me be a full-time starter like don't have like the greatest vibes from jordan love right now um miles sanders goes to carolina um paid top tier money in free agency in a time that running backs aren't getting that kind of change. You know, he was the most sought after guy. And then DeAndre Hopkins, um, he's older. I get it. Like he's maybe fading in his career, but last year he was absolutely money. And yeah, that was with Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray might miss a couple games to start the year, but like DeAndre Hopkins is used to having shitty quarterbacks in Houston. Um, It's not something that he's not used to. And if they're not going to pass to Hopkins, I mean, I guess, Hollywood Brown like he's gonna get the ball and who knows he might even still be traded so yeah you give up the second and it looks like Kevin is taking a you know maybe rebuilding approach but I think probably by no choice of his own like he's probably going to be in the playoffs next year so it's a mid-round pick maybe but I mean I really like this for you I think this really solidifies your starting lineup um, getting those two flex pieces you know maybe running back or wide receiver starter potentially Um, I love it for you for Zane this is a really bold bet on Jordan Love. Um, he's a first round, you know, pick quarterback. You know, I get it. People have been waiting for him, but like, I just, I don't feel great about this. Um, but maybe I'll be proven wrong. You know, Green Bay can find franchise quarterbacks like they're going out of style. So with my luck, Love's going to be that. But on the surface, I think this is a really solid trade for you. Yeah. So, so Zane's Zane's philosophy could be scared money don't make money. Yeah. And, for sure. Between Jordan Love and Mac Jones. Jordan Love is a guy, obviously, I would like to have backing up Richardson, who I drafted three, and Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I, I have Mac. If I got to start him two weeks out of the year, pending that we'll see tomorrow um, what the NFL schedule looks like. Theoretically speaking, I shouldn't have all three quarterbacks on a bye at the same time. Theoretically yeah. speaking. Now, mm-hmm. I could be fucked if that's the case, but just so could everybody else. But again, this is this is a depth play. This is yeah. starting quarterback, or I'm sorry, starting running back, which again, I desperately need because yep. I'm not sure what Cam Akers is going to do. He's the best guy on the depth chart. So you think he's going to get the options and wide receiver depth for what outside of Ted end was probably my weakest area. For sure. And marks had a lot of number twos. You move Jamison Williams and also Brees Hall. I mean, he is coming off an ACL injury. Like yep. he might not be rushed. He might not be himself this first year back. Yep. So, so f- for me, this, I take a flyer on your right. A guy that that is coming out from reports that's saying that he's looked fucking awesome. Because those reports are there. Now, I, again, Grand Green Bay hype reporters are always <laughs> supposed to do that about their quarterbacks. But We're getting the, it's it's the season where everyone's in the best shape of their life and they're going to have the yep. best season ever. So yeah. take with and, a grain of salt. And it, like, like I said, I mean, it'll be what it'll be up there in Green Bay. Green Bay's gone through and they've helped invest in part of the offense to it. They, I think this for Green Bay also wants to give a big fat fuck you to Rodgers. So yeah. they're going to go and try and help Love be as successful as possible. And if they can do that, he might be the most valuable piece in this trade. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a quarterback. Like, And again, going back to startup values, Jordan Love, probably because of positional scarcity, is going in the late seventh round. He's QB, QB 22 in startup drafts. Miles Sanders is going in the early eighth. DeAndre Hopkins is going in the late ninth. So value-wise, I mean, even factoring in the second next year, I mean, this is a pretty, you know, strong return uh, for Jordan Love on your side. Um, 
And, so, and uh, for me, this just it shores up what I what I came out and said that hey, like I I'm gonna be able to do this, and everything I did right now retains what first round draft picks over the next two years. So ignoring other moves that happened down the road, like at this point after this trade, are you thinking playoffs hundred percent? I have yep. Yeah, after I once I made this these two trades, mm-hmm. I I told myself that I will be in top three this year with what I've put together. Mm-hmm. With bringing Richardson in, not having anything until the third round for this draft, and that's going to be the end of what I have. Yep, I've given myself enough decent depth. I'm not going to say my depth is great by any stretch of the imagination, but I've given myself the ability that should life decide that, hey, this is going to happen to somebody, mm-hmm. that I'm not in an oh shit position. This gives me the ability to plug and play and hope that I don't have a point drop off yep. um, than what I have. And, and obviously when you say, you're talking bench. Well, obviously it's not the guy that turns. So you are going to have a point drop off, but mm-hmm. if I can minimize what that is, it makes, it makes me winning and losing games that much less significant. Yeah. So for me, yes, this was, I'm, I'm in the playoffs this year. This is, this is how it's going to happen. And that's, I came out of these trades and drafting Richardson all in the same day. That's mm-hmm. it. This is what's going on. Yeah, I think it's fair. And, you know, we'll talk about some more moves on the next podcast, but I think you're sitting pretty. All right, let's get back to the draft. Uh, 1.7, Chris is back on the clock, and he took uh, Quinton Johnson, a wide receiver from TCU, ended up on the L.A. Chargers. How do you feel about this one? Hate the landing spot. Really? Well, uh, so again, but Keenan Allen's there. So is Mike Williams. Austin Eckler's a big pass-catching target out of there. Now, obviously, we have pieces. players go down last year. Guyton stepped up. Palmer stepped up. Like, we saw a couple of these guys step in. Um, he's already got Jamar Chase. He's that's the big piece. So I, I love the pick. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if I'm fully in love with with here. I definitely think I would have personally gone Addison over Johnston. Interesting, just for the situation. But what um, about like so? Obviously, these three wide receivers. You know, we'll talk about Addison shortly. But JSN, Johnston, and Addison, uh, they went back to back to back in the NFL draft. Um, I mean, Johnson, though, he gets he's paired with, you know, Herbie Hancock, you know, Justin Herbert. Um, isn't that like a big like upside pairing for him long term compared very to much is. Gino Smith and Kirk Cousins? A hundred percent. I completely agree with that. It's just it's just where his opportunity is going to come from. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know, I guess Keenan Allen's like starting to miss time. Mike Williams seems like he's always missing a game or two like. Plus, yeah. it's the NFL. Like, it's a three-wide receiver set. Yeah. You know, at the same point in time, we never want to look at somebody being injured. We can yeah. see, we can encourage Keenan Allen losing a step, a hundred percent. If Johnston can make that step <laughs> and turn out to be Herbert's best target, it, obviously it's a win. Herbert's the best okay. quarterback of the three teams that we're that we're going to be talking about. And I, I guess I, yeah, I see your point. Yeah. And hopefully you can kind of see a little bit about where no, I, no, I can't. I, I mean, in the shadows. I think you're splitting hairs between Johnston and Addison. I think these guys are the clear next tier. Um, they're these two are in their own tier right now. Um, so I, I wouldn't fault anyone for going one way or the other. But I, I, I like Johnston a little bit more. If I was on the clock, I probably would have taken him. I agree with Chris's choice. I think, you know, he's the upside play. If he hits, I think he's potentially maybe the best wide receiver in this class. Um, and I liked, you know, just being paired with Justin Herbert long term. Um, but I do agree, you know, it is a crowded situation. 
you know, who knows what happens with Keenan Allen. Like, he seems like a guy that could just play forever. He's that type of wide receiver, like, that will just age gracefully. And Mike Williams, like, Johnson and Mike Williams are very similar guys. So as long as Mike Williams is there, you know, to your point, how much time and, you know, you know, development is he going to get on the field or is this going to be a long-term play? Um, I don't know, but... I'd like chasing for upside, so I, I don't hate it, Chris. I, w- I would be curious what Keenan Allen and Mike Williams' contracts also look like, too. That information I don't have up in front of me and could not scramble to get it in time. So that would be the other piece. That is this a one-year piece that we sit, and now he gets to develop even more with Herbert. And for Chris's team, that's not a bad piece. Yeah, no, most definitely. I mean, Chris is he's an ascending team at this point, right? Like, you know, this division, you know, we'll go more into depth probably next, you know, in a couple podcasts about where these teams are sitting. But Chris is probably not making the playoffs this year, but I think he's someone that could definitely be in play. You know, it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities for Chris's team to be in the playoffs is what I should say. Um, yep. If things break right in that division, if he sees some young development. Um, but to answer your question on potential um potential contract situations. Um, Both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen could be cut after this season. Um, Yeah, not necessarily going to happen, but like, well, actually, let me backtrack. Keenan Allen is either getting cut or he's getting a new contract because next year his his cap hit is going to be $35 million. It's probably not going to happen that he sees that. Um, Mike Williams, again, same same boat. His his cap is going to be thirty two million dollars. So they're either not going to be on the team or they're going to be re-signed and on the team and be extra frustrated. And those are probably two moves that I would anticipate we'll see happen um, in the off season uh, or you know ahead of like the regular season. So you know something to monitor. But those two guys are definitely have contracts that are very intriguing that could uh, spring up uh, a bunch of targets for Mr. Quentin Johnson. All right, moving on to 1.8. After the trade, Stefan acquired this pick, and he selected Jordan Addison, a wide receiver from USC. He ended up in Minnesota, um, as you mentioned, you know, being the wide receiver two to Justin Jefferson. How do you feel about that, being kind of just definitively, we know he's the Robin. Like, he's not passing Justin Jefferson. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, Jalen Rieger's also on that roster, but I don't think he, he stands I think he got to cut. touch Jordan. Oh, did he? Okay, that makes it even better. Did, yeah. Um, you Hawks out there, but we've never really seen Kirk Cousins use a tight end. We've never really seen him take advantage of having a tight end. And Hawk at the end of last year had to step up um, and take over. But I think Jordan Addison really alleviates that piece. And we get right back into that Batman and Robin piece with Thielen. And if Addison can prove that he's reliable in catching the ball and and being a go-to target, I think Addison has a very good opportunity to step up right away in this offense and assist in Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson with Dalvin Cook and, and Hawk take care of business. Yeah, it's a fun offense. Um, I mean, Hawkinson was actually pretty awesome after going to Minnesota last year. Um, but I think, you know, they just, we saw Thielen be successful. You know, he's no longer there. We saw like KJ Osborne kind of be a, see it, be a thing. I think, you know, Jordan Addison is obviously much more talented of either of those guys. So I think this is a place where I think he can succeed and I expect him to. Um, it's a little, you know, frustrating that his, you know, ceiling is kind of capped, you know, with Justin Jefferson being there. But like, 
you know, it wouldn't be the first time that we see multiple wide receivers on teams like succeed. So I like I'm okay with the landing spot. And I think, you know, Jordan Addison can definitely be a very um, impactful player for Stefan. You know, I think he's a great um, rebuilding long term piece that could really, you know, when his teams may be ready to contending could be ascending to a premier fantasy option. So my question for you is, is year one when these guys come out between Addison Johnson and, and JSN, yeah. who do you think, what do you think they finish in from production wise, top to bottom? Hmm. I'm going to. S- Addison, JSN, Johnson. I would have the same order. Yeah. Um, I go. Yeah. That, I, I don't think it's long term like that. It's not long term. No, it's just this, no. this upcoming season. Yeah, that, that's where I lean. Um, but I, I do think, you know, you kind of brushed over it. I think you might be underrating ha- Hawkinson's impact. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to see how much um, Addison kind of, he's obviously going to be involved in the offense, but is he clearly going to be the no-brainer number two or how much is Hawkinson going to be featured? Because Hawkinson was a pretty aggressive trade by the Vikings. And, you know, when they got him, they, they featured him pretty heavily. So it'll be interesting to see just how that shakes out. Yep, I would agree with it. Okay, um, moving on to pick nine, and we enter this stretch of three straight picks where Mr. Steve was on the clock. Uh, the first pick that he took is Will Levis, uh, quarterback from Kentucky, ends up uh, with the Tennessee Titans. How do you feel about this situation, Dan? This tells me that Malik Willis is not the option. Does that kill you a little bit? I, I mean, it doesn't kill me, no, but I just think it just, just goes to show that Malik Willis was was not going to be the guy when he had to start for Tannehill, and this is Will Levis having the opportunity to step in and take over that backup spot in the event that, and starter in the event that that we see an injury happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised he slid as far as he did. Like, yeah. like, I'll just put out there, were you the same way? I mean, a little bit. Like, I, I always think it's, it's funny when you hear about, like, players sliding and ESPN. Like, they had this st- – the stupidest stat I've ever seen in my life. They're, they're like, according to like our, you know, data, there was like a 0.2% chance that like Will Levis like was undrafted. It's like, just because your mock drafts like have Will Levis like going in like the top like 10 doesn't mean like that that's the likely outcome. Like maybe it was a 0.2% chance that he was going to go in the top 10. So I think it's always funny when people are like, oh, it's a steal. It's like, no, maybe like the media or people did not actually know how to evaluate these guys in the NFL just didn't see it the same way. Um, well, I mean, you heard we came out and said it is pro day, right? What do you say? Said that he would not attend um, Vegas. Yes. He knew he yes. was going to go in the first round. Yeah. And that's the shitty thing too. Cause like the NFL, like they don't really like, they don't want like to have anyone be embarrassed, but like there's always like, it seems like one player like that just, you know, hell, you just mentioned Malik Willis. I'm pretty sure he was invited. He went in the third round. You know, the, it, this happens every year where, like, guys um, get invited. It's usually quarterbacks, and it just doesn't pan out, and they fall out of the first round out of the top ten where they apparently were supposed to be able to go. But um, yeah, I think I mean, for – no, Well, I was going to say – I'll just go. For, I think for Will Levis, the interesting thing is um, – he did fall out of the first round, but it's interesting. He was the second pick in the second round, and the Tennessee Titans actually traded up for him. So, like, that at least shows that, yeah, he didn't go in the first, but, like, by all accounts, Tennessee wanted to move into the first round. So, like, they clearly liked him. And the fact that they, they did trade up into the second, that gives me some optimism for Will Levis and his, like, kind of future chances in the NFL. 
Yeah, I, I I agree. I think this is this is going to be his team coming up in the next couple of years, if not if not this year, depending on how he does. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that they he made it two picks into the second round with mm-hmm. a trade up to get him, this is going to be the guy that Tennessee wants to be like. All right, Malik, sorry, we fucked up with you. Will don't let us down. So what do you th- what's your expectations for the Titans this year? Just kind of on like on a mini tangent, um, like are we gonna get like one more Tannehill like Derrick Henry like ride or like. Do you think there's a chance like we'll see a surprise Henry Tannehill like trade or cut like this this summer? Like, are they rebuilding? Is this like long term? Like, what, what's your expectations or read on the situation? Um, I think the Titans are in an interesting spot. I think mm-hmm. the division is beginning to shift out of the Titans' favor. Yeah. Um, I think injury riddled teams could find Ryan a, t- a playoff list bound. Um, Ryan Tannehill favorable mm-hmm. later in the season. I think we could see the same thing with Derrick Henry. There's just not a lot of other exciting pieces on this roster. So this could be one year learn from Ryan. Tannehill potentially is gone. Again, don't know contract situations where we're at. He um, can definitely be gone next year. Yeah. So for me, this is all right. We're going to learn from Ryan. We're th- like, if this is a situation where you're going to draft a quarterback and they're going to learn, this is the learn situation. Because and, and this is great for 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 Steve because it's points off the board this year. You don't have to worry oh, yeah. about points being on the roster. You can continue to improve your draft stock. Now, when he starts next year, and some of these guys that you have you've drafted in these next couple picks begin to step up and pick up, you're sitting here and you're going, "All right, now I'm acquiring stuff, and now I potentially have opportunities to grow and compete." But I think from a Tennessee perspective, I don't think Tennessee makes the playoffs this year. I think Tannehill's either cut before the start of next year, or is traded and giving giving way to Levis. Yeah, so Tannehill's contract for this year, um, it's very friendly, but it's uh, the last year of his deal. So uh, unless there's a surprise cut, which they could do and save a considerable amount of cap, uh, this is probably his last year with the Titans. Yep. So, yeah, it's, like you said, probably a one-year like kind of trial run or maybe – they, they give it a shot, and if they're out of it by midseason, maybe we see Levis uh, get his opportunity. I, I would think that would probably be the best situation for Tennessee is, hey, we're, we're not as competitive as we need to be. We're going to prove our draft stock. Let's get to the back end here and see if Levis can show us what we need to and that we're good. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Steve's back on the clock at 1.10, and he took Dalton Kincaid, uh, t- uh, wow, tight end from Utah uh, ended up with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, what are your thoughts on this pick? Um, I think it's I think it's an interesting pick. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, tight end is a a position that you don't typically see really high players on, but this is also going to be with the chemistry that they develop with Dawson Knox. I'm going to be curious how much. Utilize, utilization we're going to get out of Kincaid. And mm-hmm. that's going to be him coming into the offense, learning it, building the relationship. Both guys are 6'4". Knox is a little bit bigger. Um, Knox was tight end nine last year. So I, we, we both know that Josh Allen can support the offense. Yes. Without issues. Are we now going to see maybe bigger sets? We're going to see yeah. two tight end sets. We're going to see maybe a – Patriot style offense with Josh Allen just that has extra mobility. It's additional blocking for Josh Allen. Should Josh Allen have these design runs for him? Yeah, it's, I think that's going to be interesting, man. I think, I think this could easily be the next two tight end set offense to spread these guys out, especially with Diggs and Gabe Davis. Yeah. 
that that's where I my initial thoughts lead. So Kincaid going here makes sense. Um, I don't know if I would have again. He has three picks, so how what order he decided to pick him in, I guess is, we don't know. But well, this order. Well, no, I get that, but I don't know if he was just like, okay, I'm gonna go one. Two, it's just three. being fun, yeah, and yeah, yeah, okay. just to fuck with us on the podcast pieces because it's like, uh, you know, I Kincaid maybe went a little early, but again, it's depending on how we view that. But I, as far as his, I think he can come in and he can make an impact. I don't think it's gonna be right away though. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like the NFL is kind of morphing with how they view tight ends, and I think it's become more um, understandable to use like just a pure pass catching tight end, which I think Kincaid is he's in that Mark Andrews mold. And so I think like the idea of having two of them on the field, like if Knox and Knox is more all around, I don't think like we can have, or I don't think it's would be far fetched for like Kincaid to be on the field and be more of a, you know, just split out like wide, you know, cause at the end of the day, like this, you know, you mentioned Gibbs, you know, you mentioned Knox, some other guys, but like none of those guys have really cemented themselves as like a legitimate second pass catcher that the defense needs to plan for behind Stefan Diggs. So I think like there's an opportunity here. I don't know if he can reach it for like Kincaid to really step up and like, just take that like number two, like pass catcher. And if he does in this offense, like with how much they pass like that at a tight end position, like that's, that that's huge. Like that could be a gigantic, you know, form of production, like at the position that is, you know, pretty weak usually outside of like the the top like three to five guys in any given season. Um, so we'll see. I mean, rookie tight ends are always um, not necessarily amazing producers, but like you should you, we should expect to I think see some production for them. Um, so I, I like the fit. I think there's definitely upside here, and I think in a tight end premium league, like maybe you could say this is a reach, but I don't know. Uh, I would have taken Kid Kid over Levis, so I certainly don't hate him over here at uh, pick pick 10 for um, Steve. Yeah, the, the one thing I look at, too, is opposing defenses. Opposing defenses, who typically covers the tight end, like in coverage? Uh, linebacker, I guess. How many linebackers do you know that are 6'4"? <laughs> Not many. No, and that's going to be the interesting pieces. You probably have what one pat good pass cover pass coverage linebacker on the outside. Yeah, but I guess like there's a lot more nickel nowadays too. So it, either way, it's like a small corner, right? But yeah, yeah to your point, I agree. small corner with a guy that's six four two forty. Oh yeah, he's a he, mismatch. He, yeah, he he is, and depending and it's which mismatch you take, Knox or Kincaid, and where you get beat. And if Kincaid can come down with everything there, well, you, you're fucked all around, no matter who you covered. Yeah. No, I, I, I honestly really do like this landing spot. Um, in another league, I was able to to lock him up uh, in a tight end premium league. So I, I'm pretty excited. And I do think, um, for my money, this was the right pick for Steve. I, I, I'm not the big Levis fan. I understand, though, it's a super flex league. So quarterbacks are, you know, just by default going to get pushed up. But um, I, I'm a big fan of this pick. All right, and Steve, with his last third round, or excuse me, his last pick in the first round, uh, he takes a running back, Mr. Devin Achain, uh, running back from um, Texas A&M, ended up with Miami. Um, how do you feel about this one? Great landing spot. Love, love, love his opportunity to come out here he, and he, take over. He drew the nuts. Like, I don't know if there's, like, a better landing spot to player in the draft than, um, you know, this one with, you know, um, you know, in Miami, just with this explosive, like, running offense, you know, the Shanahan-esque 
uh, run game that uh, they've kind of implemented. It should be really fun. Yeah, like you, you think of this style offense, and it's like, oh my god, you've got to have an amazing running back. Who's, who's your running back? Uh, Raheem Mostert, <laughs> Jeff Wilson, both guys which came out of San Francisco. Yeah, and Mike McDaniel. I mean, he's implemented a very, you know, just like Shanahan, an, an elite running game, like anyone can produce here. But now you're going to add like a, you know, just a guy like a chain. A, he's a real Devin. A chain is a really interesting guy because he's undersized right but like in the sec like he was treated like a bell cow and he was a very good runner and he has like world-class speed like i think this is someone that even if he doesn't get like like he might not need more than 12 touches a game 10 touches a game to be like super hyper efficient and an awesome you know fantasy option so i, I think this is really intriguing yeah really really love really love where steve got this at 11. Like I, I see, I saw him going earlier, but again, this is one. Really? Of yeah, I think. I think Levis could have fell a couple more spots. I would have seen. Uh-huh. I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have gone maybe at eighth. Like if you'd have still been on the clock at eight, and hmm. not traded, I, I would have been curious if, you wouldn't have maybe taken a shot here. No, I, I wouldn't have. Um... I I get it. It's a running back, right? But I think, um, I don't know. Because my thing was, if I would have gone back to eight, and I know you you and I had talked, there's a foreshadow going back. If he was on the board, that was probably who I was eyeing up at eight. Interesting. I mean, I get it. Like, there's definitely upside. And, like, if he hits and pays off, like, it's a huge, like, it's a home run hit. Like, he has huge upside potential. For me, I think there's just, I... You know, I want upside and I want like home run, but I also, you know, want players that I think like have justified like resumes to like getting to that point. So like the idea of a running back that was drafted in the third round, you know, over a highly drafted tight end, wide receiver, even a quarterback, like that that's a little much for me, but I, I certainly can't argue with the upside and the fit because it's it's perfect. It's a match made in heaven. Yeah, I like I love the landing spot for this. And if he can produce, I think he takes over. Agreed. All right. Uh last pick in the first round. Uh Mr. Chris was on the clock again uh with his fourth pick of this first round. And he ended things with Mr. Zay Flowers, um, wide receiver from Boston College. Uh ended up with the Baltimore Ravens. How do you feel about this one? Hate the landing spot. Yeah. Just hate it. Like, really? I mean, Again, I look at it as so they like to run first. So Dobbins is going to be that guy there. Bateman, do they still? OBG, I I don't understand why they wouldn't. But they don't have like the same. Or I'll let, I'll let you finish your thought. Sorry. All right, no, you're good. I enjoy being challenged. Mid- I mean, I think like so. Yes, I agree. Like they'd like to run, but at the end of the day, they've kind of revamped their offense, right? Like Greg Roman is not there. They brought in Todd Munkin. Munkin is one of the pass happiest offensive coordinators in football you know we saw it like in tampa like if you remember like the the Jameis winston like years where he was just chucking it down the field to mike evans and chris godwin yes 30 for 30 that year he went for like five thousand yards that was the monk and led offense you know we saw him recently in georgia like with stetson bennett like lighting the world on fire like he's a coordinator that just believes in passing the ball and now, like, this Baltimore Ravens, they signed, you know, they finally got together. They signed Lamar Jackson, this big deal. And now they're going to still, like, try to run him. Like, I think it's kind of natural to maybe want to pull things back. Of course, you want 
you know, you don't want to take away what makes Lamar great, but I think that's why we saw them add so many wide receivers. I think because they want to maybe switch gears and prioritizing passing it. At least that's my read on the situation. Which I, I wouldn't disagree with that. But again, I still think you have to, to set up the pass. You have to you have to be able to run the ball. Yep. And Dobbins being able to do that along with Edwards and Hill, who've been there for, for years. But again, it's where's the relationship with Bateman, OBJ, and Devin Duvernay come in. And the question becomes is, does Flowers have more talent than Duvernay does? Does Flowers yes. have more upside than Rashad Bateman? Probably. Do Can you develop that connection quick enough with Lamar to be effective? Lamar obviously is OBJ. Is OBJ's name going to demand that Lamar looks at him first? His dad might, but we'll see. I mean, I think the interesting thing about Zay Flowers um, that I think brings a little bit of different thing at this point. I mean, OBJ is more of a deep threat at this point in his career. Um, Bateman kind of a little bit of deep threat as well, but a little bit more of an axe, um, big play guy. Um, Zay is kind of like more of a yak guy. And it'll be interesting to see if, like, they maybe get him some easy targets and get him, like, the ball in space and let him do his thing. Um, that that could be interesting. Like, I think yeah, that's a spot that's missing in this offense since they moved on from Hollywood Brown. And Hollywood Brown, like, you know, even with Mark Andrews, like, he's still produced. So I think there's still a path to relevance from Zay, or at least that's what I see. Zay Flowers needs to be Wes Welker. Yeah. I mean, five nine, sit him in the slot, have him run eight, nine-yard routes, Catch the ball, pepper him ten times a game. Ten, mm-hmm. ten, ten catches for ten catches for ninety yards is the greatest thing on the face of the planet. Damn, 19, Hell yeah. nineteen points. Oh yeah, I, I get a wide receiver that can give me anywhere between fifteen to nine, fifteen to twenty points a week without finding the end zone. Score me up for that one. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that's how he has to be utilized. He has to be a slot guy. If he's if he's not utilizing slot, and if, and if Lamar can't make the slot throws, it's awful. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel confident that 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 will be the result. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see this Baltimore offense. I, you know, I think I really like Todd Munkin and his philosophy. And I think, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson um, and this, you know, t- the team around him, I think is going to be very exciting. So I'm a bit optimistic and definitely uh, bullish on this team long term. OK, well, that was round one, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So, I mean, what were your thoughts? I mean, it doesn't seem like there were many surprises. I mean, it was vanilla. Yeah. But it was vanilla in a very good way. Mm-hmm. Like, like these were the 12 players that had to go. I firmly believe that. Um, yeah. I think, I think, the, I think there's only one player for me. Yeah. yeah. There's only one player for me that um, I thought would go, went early in the second round, um, but nothing like egregious. Like, I don't think we saw someone go, um, you know, several picks earlier or later than they should have. It was all mostly chalkish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I think, I think the order in which they could have been taken, which we saw could have been flopped around for a couple pieces, mm-hmm. but I think very cut and dry. Bijan goes three quarterbacks, go JSN and Gibbs go interchangeable in those next couple pieces. We see Johnson Addison. Again, I, I think, I had I had a chain higher up than that. Yep. But seeing Kincaid go, Levis and Flowers finishing out, yeah, I think that's those are the twelve that everybody expected. I you could interchange maybe one of them, but yeah, I think that was it was boring, but it was interesting to see who ended up. I mean, Gibbs gets picked and then gets traded afterwards. It's like the NBA <laughs> going on in here. Yep. Um, he was wearing the Stefan hat, and then like someone had to correct him, like, "Oh shit, no, you got to be wearing the Nick Nick Weir hat." Like, what are you yeah, doing? This is the Philip Rivers Ryan Leaf trade all over again. <laughs> Um, 
what no it wasn't rivers and leaf it was um manning and leaf right man no manning and rivers manning and rivers okay yeah. I, I was like i figured my life out but um yeah no very chalked i don't think i don't think in the first round i don't think anybody was a loser by any stretch of the imagination I, like usually we have somebody that makes an interesting pick or something that somebody questions no i think this was very cut and dry all around just well done for everybody that picked yeah i agree i think you couldn't i couldn't have said it better the second round i think there were second round was very interesting i'm, I'm excited to hopefully jump into that sometime uh next week and get our thoughts because i think well there weren't everyone was probably right in that round i think the ordering was very very interesting with how that one shook out and we saw a lot of trades happen including a big one that yeah. will leave you with our thoughts uh for another week as we you know look to jump back in it and review some that big doozy of a one that went down between the roof household yeah it's i don't think there's any collusion in there i'll just put that out there i don't i do not feel there was collusion you know, people that say that and say the word collusion seems like they're implying something. Oh, I I love trying to fuck with people in collusion. It's <laughs> like it's number one. Collusion is just fun to say. Collusion. Collusion. It's like communism. Forever collusion. and clean. Yeah. Oh, great show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I think when we get into round two, we start looking at some of this. The teams that are picking in there, the 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 positions they look to acquire, who they take in. Do you reach because you're not coming back? Do you let one slide because you have a different need on your team? Yep. Like, yeah, we should have some fun conversations. Um, ideally, next week when, you know, your household is feeling a little bit better, the Ruth household is feeling healthy. Um, for those of you guys that are listening, hopefully you're feeling healthy. Um, but we'll yeah, that's tripod. Uh, yeah, that we'll be back to the tripod, and uh, we won't tell you who who's the two legs and who's the dick in the room. But, <laughs> um. No, I I enjoyed being back. Um, obviously, last week or last pod didn't go as <laughs> did not go as planned in my life. Um, I was a little a little toasted, but no worries. Uh, we're getting there, but it's nice to nice to get back on the on yeah, the nice to be back talk to the squad. Oh yeah, we'll we'll do the second round, and then I'm sure we'll probably start with maybe like kind of a you know team focused one team and analysis, how, yeah, yeah how we're feeling about things in the off season and how things are situated. It'll be very interesting to talk about these two divisions because. They could not be night and day different when we look at the Avengers and Justice League. Yeah, it's going to be, we're going to see what happens here. Mm -hmm. well, on that note, Dan, it's been a pleasure. Everyone listening, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back uh, next week. Or, I don't know, a couple days. Bye. Yeah.